Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 96 of UAB Green and Told, original debut Monday, April 24th, 2023. Through this podcast, we're able to share stories from members of the UAB community. Looking for past episodes? Find us at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. And while there, leave a written review so more alums can listen in. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and director of communications in the Office of Alumni Affairs. The first for Marla Townsend are plentiful. Member of the first ever Dixie Youth World Series, guard on Pinson Valley's first ever girls basketball team, first ever softball and gymnastics coach at McAdory High School, and as many know, she was the first ever softball coach here at UAB. While today's guest is a familiar name and face for Blazer fans, you may be surprised to learn that her first love isn't in athletics. Honestly, band was my passion, and I was looking to be a music major when I went to college. But despite her draw to the Million Dollar Band, life went into a different direction, one that would wind up on the diamond for UAB after a meeting with Coach Gene Bartow. So I went and talked with them. The second that I walked in the door, I felt like family. And he took me in, he took me to lunch, and just told me about the vision that he had for the softball program. Once that vision became reality, Marla and her team found success. As she'll share, it was a matter of getting them to think positively. There was no room for somebody that was going to beat themselves up or somebody that didn't believe in themselves because we believed in ourselves, we believed in our teammates. It, it was just, it was incredible. For years, Marla Townsend was a mainstay in the dugout for UAB softball. She guided her teams to more than 500 wins, five straight NCAA tournaments, and an NCAA regional berth. As the Blazers' longtime coach, she touched the lives of hundreds of young women with the hopes of helping them become good players, but better individuals. While we know her as a softball coach, she can trace her beginnings to living in the shadows of a national shrine for athletes in another sport. And my parents actually kidnapped me from the age of 10 to 12 and took me to Canton, Ohio. The cool thing was I was right by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, but I do remember writing 1,000 times when we were traveling in the motorhome, I want to move back to Alabama. So 1976, moved back to Alabama, and I've been here ever since. What was it like making the transition from Birmingham to Canton and then making that in reverse and coming back to Birmingham? So I was in fourth grade, and it really was difficult because I would get asked in class over and over, say hamburger, and the class would just start dying laughing. And then so I really at that, you know, that's a young age to, to start having people make fun of you. And and uh, so I really tried to really focus on my words and how I would use them. But I loved it. You mentioned football being near the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. You've always kind of revolved around sports, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. So when I was moving back from Ohio, my best friend called and said, hey, we're having softball trials. And it was at Huffman. Well, I said, okay, well, everything I own is in like the Mayflower moving van. Went out there, borrowed somebody's glove and tried out. Won the very first ever Dixie Youth World Series. So we went all the way to Huntsville, Texas, moving back and softball. And I, I played basketball, I played tennis, I ran track. But band, honestly, band was my passion. And I was looking to be a music major when I went to college. And uh, that's actually, really band is where I got my discipline from. It definitely wasn't sports because I was kind of a wild child out there on the court. And um, so I look back and uh, I get embarrassed for my previous self. But 
very thankful for the role that sports and music has had in my life. What instrument did you play? Trumpet. Trumpet. So you're a trumpeteer. I was a trumpeteer. Marched in a million dollar band for four years. Uh, basketball pet band and uh, played on movie sets and just it was a great time in my life. Ultimately came time to kind of put that away and, and focus on athletics and you've been around it ever since. I mean when you came to UAB in the early 90s there wasn't even a softball program when you were getting your master's. What were you doing and why did you come get your master's at UAB? Okay, to be honest with you, so I started teaching. I was teaching at McAdory, taught Hillview Elementary for one year, and I went to McAdory, and I taught elementary, and I coached high school, but I wanted to play intramural sports, and I really wanted to get my master's, and UAB was the perfect location to do that. So I would work long days, and then I would coach, and then a lot of times I would have to transport some of my athletes home from McAdory, and then I would drive downtown, and I would uh, go to night class, go home, get a few hours of sleep and do the same thing over again. And just really fell in love with UAB at that point. But so doing the intramural route, I got hooked up with lethal injections. It was a school of nursing and a attorney that was working on a degree and myself. And we actually went down to the national football, national flag football championships in New Orleans every year. And we actually placed second one year. And this wow. actually recorded in some of the books that uh, the history of the School of Nursing. And so it was incredible. Like it was really awesome. But we'd walk around campus and we would have UAB and the football on there. And I can remember time and time again, people would say, I, I didn't know, or not even just campus, Birmingham, UAB's got football? And I would always say, not yet. Not yet, and not even knowing that my path would cross with Coach Bartow years down the road. Um, but it really, it was a neat experience working on my master's and just taking a course every semester. Uh, took five years. I finished it. Five years of the collegiate flag football national championship and uh, just a lot, really a lot of lifetime friends that I made during that time. You mentioned the late, great Gene Bartow. Talk about how that interaction kind of came about because UAB did not have a softball program until 2000, but obviously you did something to kind of strike him and bring you on campus to become the first ever coach. So a neat story, beginning of July, 1998, someone had called me and, and a friend of mine said, would you be interested in being my assistant coach at UAB? And, uh, and I'm at Pelham High School. I've got the number one team in the state returning. And just to be honest, I didn't want to be assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, you know, I said, hey, thanks. But, but, you know, so I never applied to the job. And all of a sudden my phone rings July 28, 1998. I sat down and I said, oh, Marla, this is Coach Bartow. I set up real quick and I said, yes, sir. He said, I've got an opening and I'd like to talk to you about it. And I said, yes, sir, I have to be honest with you. I've heard what you're offering, uh, $30,000 for a head coaching job. And, and um, you know, I'm receiving my education specialist degree and, and I don't know that I could leave my position. And he said, just come in and talk to me. You better believe I was there. So I went and talked with them. The second that I walked in the door, I felt like family. And he took me in, he took me to lunch and just told me about the vision that he had for the softball program. 
So I, I accepted. I accepted. He worked with me, and uh, I walked into UAB, and it was me, and that's it. And all of a sudden, we started. I was there for a year myself. Then I added an assistant in summer of 99. Then we brought the ladies in in fall of 99. You got to work with somebody in Gene Bartow that started basketball, oversaw the start of football, at UAB. Did you pick his brain and kind of talk to him a lot about how you can start a program from scratch? Because he's a great resource at that point. Oh, absolutely. Well, we had numerous conversations in between our tennis matches and, and lunches at Full Moon. You know, he, he always would offer me just really cool tips, but not what you would think that you've got to do it this way. But he was just telling me some of the things that worked really great for him and and by doing that i would just sit there and i would just listen because to be honest with you he made me feel like again like like family but in his presence you're so relaxed you're not sitting there you're not intimidated by his history and and everything that he's done for the athletic world not just basketball but athletic world and especially for birmingham but he I'll never forget. I said, Coach, you, you know, we've been talking quite a bit and you've not mentioned the budget. You'll never hear this again. He said, you go get what you need to have a successful program. And I said, yes, sir. And I, I'll just, I'll never forget that because in the uh, accountant, which was Mo Harmon at the time, uh, she looked at him like, wait a minute. You know, he said, no, we're going to do it right. So you basically had carte blanche, but it still couldn't have been easy recruiting the first set of women to the team. What were the challenges of getting women to come to Birmingham to play softball for a brand new program? Well, so UAB, the academic side of UAB, made it easy. I mean, it it really did. And I brought in a lot of, uh, of you know, people that had medical profession in their future. But the first group, it was like 12 junior college players and 12 freshmen, okay? The junior college players just about did me in because you gotta think about it, they're 20, 21 years old, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that was interesting in itself. And so, but I went with a lot of local, a lot of in-state players and then word of mouth. I mean, like word of mouth when they started doing their research and looking up UAB and the academic options that they had. And then on campus, when they would come on campus, they would meet Coach Barto. And he's the best recruiter there was. You know, the opportunity to meet an athletic director at a Division One institution, but then for him to sit there and talk to you as if, you know, you were his best friend. It was amazing. Fledgling programs typically take a while to get off the ground. What were some of the early struggles when you finally got out on the field that you kind of encountered? Well, you know, we were at George Ward Park for 10 years. And as much as I loved it and the athletes took uh, pride in it, they would break it before, they would break it after us. But we always ran into issues, especially when bringing recruits on campus, um, of running into people that belong, didn't belong at the field. And so that in itself was an issue. And then there were items around the field that actually was the final straw with Dr. Garrison said, look, we're going to get them on campus. Um, and so it was not not the safest environment. They did actually have a, a UAB police officer out there with us the last few years we were out there and they were doing steps to keep us safe. But they knew that we needed to be on campus. And then obviously Keith and Mary Bowers stepped it up and made that dream a reality. Um, but the challenges were that 
if you know me, you know that I really don't care about wins and losses. I want to play the toughest teams in the country. And that's what we would do. And often we would have one of the top 10 toughest schedules in the country. And I just loved it because every so often when we beat those top 10, top 20 teams, that gave our girls something that really inspired them. But it also set the pace for where we would go in 2013 when we went to Super Regionals. And so just outstanding athletes, outstanding young ladies, incredible support staff, families. Uh, the community really got around it. You know, Keith and Mary Bowers, we were at George Ward Park and I had someone pull up in a brand new Cadillac, sit right in the very first parking lot. And I walked out there and I said, hey, listen, you know, there's going to be foul balls coming this way. and You might want to park over there and you're welcome to stay and watch practice. Mary Bowers looked at me and she said, that's why we pay insurance. I said, yes, ma'am. From that point on, it was an incredible relationship with Mary. You coached a lot of games with the Blazers, conference championships, super regionals. Is there one game that really stands out that you point to and say, that's what I'm going to remember for the rest of my life? You know, it really is going to be the UCLA game when we played 14 or 13 innings, um, three hours and 47 minutes to defeat UCLA, especially when we were out hit 16 to four to advance to super regionals. Had that game been televised, it would have been incredible for UAB. Uh, they were just starting to televise a lot of the shows. I mean, a lot of the uh, regional tournaments. But then, honestly, second game, we were down to Jacksonville State, 5-0 to zero in the third inning. All right. And granted, we opened up against Alabama, and we had 2,500 people there, and it was great. And we, they were the better team. And, and you know, so – but we were supposed to win against Jacksonville State. We were supposed to compete. And so all of a sudden, we're down 5-0. I looked at it, and it was the just finished the top of the fourth, all right? So if you take three and a half innings and three and a half innings, that's a seven-inning game. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I said, you know what? My music background kicked in. I said, it's halftime. Sit down, ladies, sit down. And I said, we got any halftime entertainment? And a couple of the girls jumped up, and they started pretending like they were – band members and marching and all this and so then i looked at him and i said ladies i don't care about the first half what i care is that you come out here and you win the second half of the ball game you don't have to win the game but let's win the second half of the ball game mandy loman stepped up first pitch deep center field all right from that point hits were contagious we eight runs jacksonville state never even got to the sixth inning and that game right there said so much about the mental game of softball because we were worried about everything early on. But all of a sudden, when it was halftime, let's forget about everything else and focus on where we are right now. Let's be in the present moment. And we were, and all of a sudden, we came out on top. It's amazing. A lot of people won't realize that baseball, softball, very much mental sports. I always told my kids when they were growing up, it's six inches. It's between both sides of your ears. What makes it that mental and just kind of a special sport? The, the neat thing about softball is it does not matter your size. You can be big and strong. You can be small and fast. There's something that everybody can bring to the game. But if you've got the mental advantage, if your mental performance is elite, then that's going to take you to a whole nother level. 
Florida softball, you literally touch for a split second the ball, and then you've got to get rid of it. Whether you feel the ground ball, whether you're a pitcher, whether the batter has a half of a second, not even that, to decide if they're going to swing or not, and that contact with the ball. So the sport of softball sets you up for failure in itself. I mean, if you're a 300 hitter, you're a great hitter, but that means seven times that you've not got the outcome that you wanted. So we do away with batting averages, and we really focus on quality at bats. We break it down from the mental game, from the beginning of the, from warmups, from the second you arrive at the field to you walk onto the field, to the second that you step up to the plate. And it does not matter if it's the first pitch of the game or if the game is on the line and it's in the 14th inning. In fact, if we go back to 2013, Whitney Fletcher was 0 for 6 on that day. And she came to me and asked me the leading hitter to take her out of the ball game because Whitney was focused on a senior. This is my last game ever. Mm -hmm. And I said, Whitney, are you kidding me? I said, you're 0 for 6 for the day. You know whose turn it is? You're a 375 hitter. It's your turn. Like, thank goodness for the other failures because right now you're going to, you know, and she did. And she came through with the hit to, to score the winning run. It's really, it's really not listening to the negative thoughts, but yet talking to yourself in a positive manner. And so when we did that, we brought in a mental performance coach, five straight NCAAs, and all of a sudden it was contagious. Because there was no room for somebody that was going to beat themselves up or somebody that didn't believe in themselves. Because we believed in ourselves, we believed in our teammates. It, it was just, it was incredible. So that focus, that concentration on the mental performance has helped every athlete that's come through the program to this day. I still get phone calls. I still get texts. And in fact, a, a specific text two weeks ago about a situation that a young lady was in that played for me seven, eight years ago. And then I talked her through it. And she goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. And then she actually mentally decided what was best for her. And it's just, it's, it, it's more than softball. It's life. What's the best part of kind of playing the maternal figure in hundreds of young ladies' lives over the course of the 20-year career that you had at UAB? It's incredible. It even dates back to... 1986, when I started teaching, uh, I taught public schools for 12 years before I went to UAB. It's so rewarding. I mean, it's so rewarding. People say, do you miss coaching? And I'm like, you know, I, I miss the relationships. So I miss the relationships and the influence. Right now, you are following your daughter playing softball as a freshman at LSU. What else is Marla Townsend doing? And don't forget, I have a seven-year-old first grader that keeps me on my toes. And um, so in addition to that, I've taken on renovating the house and maintaining 50 acres. I've got three horses, a pig, uh, like eight or nine chickens, roosters mostly, and uh, had a surprise litter of puppies on Thanksgiving night. So between me and my animals and my son, and then hitting the road for my daughter's uh, season, uh, just just spending time with family, really. Just kind of staying busy. But I'm also going out and working with schools on team building activities. I work with volleyball teams, basketball teams, softball teams. I work with a couple of individuals on their mental performance and their recruiting. Uh, so I work with them one-on-one. And um, just, I'm just loving life.
That's Marla Townsend, longtime UAB softball coach and 1991 graduate of the School of Education where she earned her master's degree. Today, Marla is a speaker, consultant, and coach. As the first ever person to coach the Blazers softball team, Marla definitely has a great idea of what it means to be a Blazer. Do you remember a few years ago, you'd drive down the interstate and all of a sudden you'd look over and you'd see a tag that's got UAB on it? Do you remember that? And you remember the pride that you would feel on that? And now you look around and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And you see the advertisement because we used to have to fight so hard just to get advertisement and to get publicity on the local media channels. And so being a blazer and, and you know, green, gold, bleed green and gold, blazer for life, all of that. It's, it's something that's deep inside of you that really wants you to represent a university that rep that that supports a area and a state in the education process but it, everything that i do i want to make uab proud i want to make other blazers proud and i want to represent you know the best of what uab has the best of what we had where we're at now and most of all where we're going and i love serving on the committees that we had across campus staff council and just i loved working with people across campus because there's so many people that want the best for UAB. It's not just a job, you know? I mean, it is not a job for people when they're there. It's more than that. It's a community. It's somebody that's striving to make the most. And uh, it's just, I'm blessed to be called a blazer. Be sure to check out past episodes of the UAB Green and Told podcast. Listen in at alumni.uab.edu slash green and told. Have a story to share or know someone who does? email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on social media. Just search UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Go Blazers!